you know, there's something in the world that you're better at being and doing than anybody else. And I was like, God, what could that be? Um, Inner critic going into overdrive. And he said, you know, being Cat Wiles, no one else can do that, imitate that, be that um, better than you. So just proudly be yourself. Hello and welcome to Grow Up, an APG Canada podcast where we give strategic thinkers and creative tinkerers opportunities to grow. I'm your host, Michelle Lee, and today on the show, we're catching up with Kat Wiles, CSO at Cossette. We asked Kat to share her top five tips on staying sane in advertising, and what she gave us was an incredibly raw and honest look into many of the things we all struggle with. Things like perfectionism, setting boundaries, and self-acceptance. I really appreciated just how vulnerable Kat allowed herself to be in this interview, and I think the more brave leaders like Kat that can share their story and perspective, the more we can continue to change the narrative on mental well-being. With that, let's get into the show. Kat, welcome to Grow Up. We're so excited to have you here. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and why this topic is so important to you. Hello, everyone. And thank you, Michelle and the APG for inviting me to um, come and speak to you for this. Um, so as Michelle said, I'm Kat, I'm the CSO at Cassette. Um, as you could probably hear, I'm a Brit. I moved over to Canada with my family two and a half years ago. And I mean, you know, my, my passion and advocacy for creating a mentally healthier workplace really comes from my own lived experience. I first struggled with my mental health at university, but also in that not too distant past, uh, challenges outside of work really compounded the pressure inside work, leaving me feeling lost and overwhelmed. So it's something that is very, very close to my heart. Amazing. And, and, and I love that you're being so open about that because I think so many of us have actually had these kind of struggles and it's, it's great that, you know, it's, it's so much easier to have these conversations now um, and that people are much more open to talking about it and especially coming um, from a, a leader such as yourself. So, so yeah, I'd love it to, if you could share with us, um, you know, what's your, what's your, what's your first tip on how to, how to stay sane in this business? Okay. Well, I'd probably say my first one is about number one would be, um, be unapologetically and proudly you. Mm. So to start off, I mean, I start with this truth maybe, um, which is that it's been one of the biggest sources of my imposter syndrome for many years. Um, I recognize that my strength is more in my EQ than my IQ. Um, I'm a people person. I'm naturally an extrovert and I don't get my ideas from going into a room, um, on my own and then coming out with that brilliant deck quoting Aristotle and the classics, you know, that, you know, we know all those uh, strategists who are able to do that. And I had massive like envy of not being able to do that for years. And, um, I think anyone who's met me would just be like, well, of course that's not you, but it took me a long time to come to terms with it. And I spent a long time trying to be somebody that I wasn't. Um, and that really took a lot of energy out of me. Um, and I had, well, it wasn't actually until I broke that I realized that I couldn't keep on trying to be someone I wasn't. And I just needed to be myself um, and the imperfect, valuable being that I am and flawed and all, all the things that all of us are. Um, 
And I think also following that, I, I had a bit of mentor advice, which was a real unlock for me, which was that he said to me, you know, there's something in the world that you're better at being and doing than anybody else. And I was like, oh God, what could that be? Um, inner critic going into overdrive. And he said, you know, being Cat Wells, no one else can do that, imitate that, be that um, better than you. So just proudly be yourself. Well, I love that. And, and, you know, it's so heartening to hear, you know, obviously someone who's reached kind of your level um, of career and still talk about imposter syndrome, because that is a continuing theme that we keep hearing over and over again. And I've heard it, you know, at the more junior levels. And I'm like, you know what, it never actually goes away. Um, but, but I love this notion of being unapologetically you, because I think as well that there are so many different kinds of strategists and people, and it, it's such a varied occupation and, and job. And so it's only natural that people would have, you know, natural abilities and strengths in some areas and not in others. And that's why I think it's, I think I even read you say before, like, it's really great to be able to pull together a really eclectic group of uh, team, um, who are able to provide that offering and, and different strengths. So Absolutely. I mean, you know, as a, as a leader of a strategy department, we're only as strong as the diversity and importantly, cognitive diversity that we have within our departments. So it really is within, you know, our own like kind of selfish interest for me to say this, um, to encourage you all to be yourselves because you'll shine and you'll be brilliant. And, you know, then we all win. We all rise together. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, tip number two. What's your tip number two? Oh, this is a big one for me. Number two is letting go of perfect. So <laughs> I'm sure a lot of you connect with this. Um, uh, I used to wear my perfectionism as a sort of badge of honor. So I'd sit in an interview and you know, you all know that question, which is, oh, what's your, what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? And I'd kind of sit there coyly and say, oh, well, my weakness is probably my perfectionism. Um, I'm sure a few of you have done that too. Um, and, you know, actually it's taken me a very, very long time to realize that um, aiming perfect and perfection is really damaging. It's very different compared to aiming for high standards. And don't get me wrong, I, I've got a very high bar that I, I set myself and those around me. But that pursuit of perfect is, is very harmful. Um, and I think it's harmful for a number of, of reasons. You know, perfectionism actually doesn't respect boundaries. And it's really, really unreasonable. <laughs> so many of us have got the, we all know the inner critic in our head and the inner critic's best friend is the perfectionist and they can wreak havoc on you and your life. Um, and it often makes you focus on the wrong things. So my Miller Brown profile is um, ENTP. So I'm often naturally, I'm very big picture. Whereas there's something called an in the grip profile, which is when um, you're stressed, you tend to, the pendulum swings to the other direction. And then all of a sudden, you know, anyone, <laughs> top tip for anyone who works with me, uh, could tell that I'm stressed if I'm swinging into looking at the details and the orientation of the charts and the full stops and all of that sort of stuff. And I know now to check myself on that. Um, 
to kind of, um, I know that that's an, a behavior of mine. So one of the things that I'd say is kind of, you know, how can you check yourself on those things? I'll come on to that later. That's another one of my tips. Um, but I'd say this is a particular challenge for our industry, uh, which is a breeding ground for perfectionism. It's not only the people that we attract, but the environment where we're all housed. It's a sort of six of dozen, six of one, half a dozen of the other. And honestly, I think the pandemic has really shined a light on the way that we all work and burnout is rife. And you can, you know, be sure as hell if you're a perfectionist, you're going to be heading towards burnout um, because it will keep pushing you there. Um, and you know, a lot of us don't have respect for or have ever really created boundaries for ourselves. And when you don't create boundaries, that's when you compromise yourself. And that's when you keep going, going, going. And then all of a sudden, bang, the fuse fuse goes. Yeah, no, I I relate as I'm sure many um, of those listening will relate to this as well. And and it kind of makes me think like, sometimes even good enough is actually even better than good enough. Like, I mean, obviously we all set high bars, but there's a point at which you just need to let go. and. Yeah. You know, so that's all about time management, effort reward, and just really thinking about impact, really. Where are the places that you can make the biggest impact and put your energy and efforts there? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So well said. And and it reminds me of, um, you know, Brene Brown, she, and she'll say this much more eloquently than I do, but she talked about something about how like perfectionism is a 20 ton shield or whatever, and it stops you from, mm-hmm. from flying. And, and I, I don't know how you feel. Like I, I felt that so much too. It really just holds you back. Definitely. Um, I love Brene Brown. <laughs> that's another, that's another conversation. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So, tip number three. Tip number three is saying no and setting boundaries. So I shared a bit of that from the one, the one before, um, which, you know, they're kind of letting go of perfect and sitting, um, setting boundaries are very connected to one another. Um, I think probably the most important thing to say here that setting boundaries isn't a bad thing. It's a healthy thing. It's not selfish. It's never you being selfish when you're setting a boundary. It's a very, very necessary thing. And you do really have to, you know, any of the analogies put here, you know, put your oxygen mask on first, top your battery up, you know, get more fuel in the tank, all of those things. Because if you're running on empty, you're no use to anybody, <laughs> least of all yourself. And, you know, let me put my hands up and say, I have been there multiple times. And... You know, I think if you struggle with perfectionism, you will struggle with this too. And as I said, the inner critic just doesn't care or respect your boundaries. Um, but it's not, it's not just our inner selves that pressurize us to co- compromise ourselves again and again. It's others too. And I think that Adam Grant puts it best. When, when you let someone take you on a guilt trip, you're allowing their expectations to rule your emotions. Their disappointment is not proof of your failure. No one has the right to dictate your responsibilities. Sometimes you need to let others down to uphold your own boundaries. And that really struck me. Wow. Wow. That's, that's really powerful. I mean, I actually feel like <laughs> me I'm too. having a therapy session right now, which is awesome. 
<laughs> because it's like these these things are things you know, but they're always worth you know good to remind yourself of them all the time, and they make a lot of sense. But sometimes when you're like in the eye of the storm, you forget. Um, but but it's 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 awesome because I think you know I definitely relate to saying no, and I you know have been terrible yeah. at it in the past, and people who work with me know that. Um, because I think you crave this, like you want people to like you and you want people to think you're good and you can handle it all and everything. But what ends up happening is that you don't actually end up Mm. generating this respect that you desire from them or from yourself. It all starts with respecting Um, yourself. And the first step to that is creating boundaries and respecting your boundaries. And look, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that I've got all of this sorted. I haven't. I'm very much a work in progress on all of these things I'm sharing with you today. But these are just things that I've picked up from many years of therapy, lots of needs to work on myself. You know, I've had to work on myself because of the state that I've got myself into and the burnout that I've gone through or the postnatal depression that I've gone through that I've needed to really interrogate how I do things and that I need to find a different way to do things in order to succeed and keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My number four is tune into and reflect on the choices that you're making. So for me, mm. with this one, it's about tuning into. It's almost, I always think about it as it's very healthy to think about doing a body scan. Um, and how are you feeling? If you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling worried, where's that coming from? Can you identify it? Can you also name how you're feeling? And um, if you are feeling anxious, yeah. are you then, what's the behavior that's happening? Are you over connecting with your anxiety, which may come to life in terms of you scripting or over preparing for meetings and not allowing your brain to really make those spontaneous connections in meetings, which is often when the flare and the flow happens. And when, when you do shine, you know, you're pushing yourself to really, you know, be a perfect robot, you know, in the way that we're presenting or conversely, if the pendulum swings the other way, are you underconnecting with it? Are you procrastinating? Are you being avoidant? Are you all already finding, you know, suddenly finding how fascinating your sock drawer is and a, and a, and a massive need and desire to reorganize that um, before you get to what you really need to do? We've all been there, haven't we? I'm um, actually mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. doing, I, I made a, um, something that um, I've started to do outside of work is that I'm actually training to be a hypnotherapist and um, I, it will take about six to 12 months. It's very early days, but I find it, it's really fascinating everything that I'm learning because of course it's all about choices and NLP and neuroscience and a lot of the things that we do as strategists and um, it's quite surprised that, you know, it sounds silly, doesn't it? But I was quite surprised at how much, you know, working for 20 years with like brands and in agencies has prepared me to then think about taking this, this next step of moving into um, hypnotherapy as, as a way to be able to help people overcome their self-limiting beliefs, which is something that I feel really passionate um, about. And um, I'm doing the 
Marissa Peer RTT program, which is all about rapid transformation therapy. Um, and I just covered a module um, at the weekend where she said that the mind does exactly what you want it, what it thinks you want to do. And the mind responds to two things, the pictures that you make and the words that you say to yourself. And of course, again, like with any insight, right, it's obvious when, when you, you find the insight. But, you know, the language that we use in our own heads I remember someone saying to me, you know, you're always saying, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. You're not using empowering enough language. Like I am doing this. I am doing that. And tiny little reframes around how we speak in our own heads. Um, And also thinking about there's something incredibly powerful that Marissa talks about, which is incorporating the language of choose. So. I'm choosing to do this work. I'm choosing to go the extra mile and I feel brilliant about it. I feel excited to do this presentation. You know, I get very nervous about public speaking and I, I just uh, now always say to myself that butterfly feeling in my stomach, you're not scared, you're excited. So I kind of say that to myself as a mantra, like three times. I'm really excited. I'm really excited. And honestly, it's been transformational for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm like madly scrambling down notes here because so much of what you've said sounds so interesting. First of all, training as a hypnotherapist when you work in advertising and connect with consumers and are a manager, I find just like evil. <laughs> Not evil. It's fascinating. Um, I loved how you talked about flare and flow in meetings, which I've actually never heard it termed that way, but I feel like I understand what you're talking about. And I just find that so interesting. And and it almost makes me think, you know, back to earlier, what we talked about, like the more you let go, the better you're. Totally. Because, because your brain makes the connections. There's a moment where you have to leap into the void and you're not sure what's going to happen and you feel scared and you feel worried. Um, but you force yourself to do that. And those, those awkward feelings are, that's actually what growth feels like. You know, growth doesn't just come, you know, feeling warm and happy and comfortable. Well, there's no growth happening there. If you want to grow, if you want to push forward, you have to put yourself into situations which you don't necessarily feel comfortable with yet because you're maybe one step, one step before feeling comfortable with it. And if you go into a presentation and you allow yourself to improv and react and respond, you're going to be a better active listener in the room. You're going to interact with people differently because you're actually picking up on their signals and their signs rather than just thinking about, I need to perfectly deliver this script and onwards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so true. And, 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 and there was you know, we talk about script. There was one last thing that I really picked mm-hmm. up on, you know, before we move to our, our, our last comment, when you talked about kind of the words that you tell yourself. Um, and, and it's interesting because we talk so much in our work yeah. about reframing things or repositioning things or, you know, whatever it may be. And, you know, I've yeah. gone through my own. We all, no judgment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, 
one of the things that, you know, the therapist that I spoke to picked up on as, as I was talking with her was, and it was very insightful. She, she said, you kept using the phrase, I should, I should do this and I should do that. And maybe it's similar to like what, what you were saying. I love how you say like, well, I choose to do this or, you know, whatever it may be. Like you just have no understanding of how powerful, uh, a single word even absolutely and then just also even just thinking about the world word should just pausing on that for a moment which is that you know it's ladled in shame guilt judgment you know I should do this so you're not coming from a firm footing to step forward from the language of should whereas if you're stepping forward for the language of choice and choosing you're stepping forward from a foundation of empowerment and there's an ocean of difference between the two yeah. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Um, okay. Final tip. Ask for help. Please be better at this than mm. me. I'm terrible at asking for help. Um, I don't know, maybe it's cause I'm a Capricorn. Um, but you know, both times when I felt most overwhelmed by my job have been when I've had challenges outside of work, whether that's going through a divorce or having a child and I'll, I'll share a, a, a story um, with you, uh, which kind of illustrates, um, I should have asked for help a lot sooner. Um, but soon after accepting um, a leadership role at a London agency, I found that I was out that I was pregnant with my second child. And I just put so much pressure on myself to exceed expectations and prove to my bosses that they'd made the right choice in hiring me. And so after working long, grueling hours, my son ended up coming seven weeks early. And the pressure cooker of holding myself to unreasonably high standards, coupled with this tiny little newborn premie, meant that unsurprisingly, you know, six weeks later, bang, the fuse went and, you know, severe postnatal depression set in. There were so many times along that journey when I look back that I could, <laughs> I could have and should have asked, asked for help. I should have chosen. I could have chosen. You know, that's the language of regret, right? But there were moments there where I could have asked for help and I could have chosen to do that. Um, and it, and actually I was really, really lucky because I got two mental health professionals who helped me see that my illness was actually born out of strength, not weakness. It was about being the dependable person, always going that extra mile, pushing, pushing when other people had stopped. And to the extent that it was completely unreasonable, what I was asking of myself. And, but that, Reframe. You talked about reframes a moment ago. You know that was an important, important reframe in my personal life because it's really helped me cope with some traumatic events that I've gone through in a, in a really positive way. So, looking for the best from them and realizing that it's these very difficult experiences that have made me the strong yet proudly vulnerable woman I'd say I am today. Uh, I love how you threw that Brene Brownism in there too. 
because because what what that really makes me think of as well is like and and i think you said it as well as like when you identify your weaknesses or when you're willing to be vulnerable you can really turn that into a strength because i think a lot of the times we try and hide and pretend like it's fine and i don't need any help and it's not as though you know when the cracks start to show the cracks really start to show (laughs) and 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 other people you know i mean not not to be shameful or whatever but I think that maybe people have a lot more empathy than maybe we want to give them credit for, or we're still trying to be perfect or whatever it may be. So there's, I think there's a lot to be learned um, in what you've said there. Well, I think it's just about, yeah, it is all about empathy and compassion. And I think, you know, as leaders, we've also got to think about, well, if I, you know, can present and share that I am vulnerable and I am flawed, then it also creates the environment and the space for others within the organization also to step into that, which means that, you know, if we're coming to work, we're feeling more like our authentic selves, then we're able to do our best work. So I do really see that as a responsibility of leaders to set the tone and, um, you know, not everybody will feel comfortable not, you know, being as open about, um, mental wellbeing and their own. Um, but you know, I really feel such a huge amount of personal responsibility to destigmatize this. Um, and so, you know, I get scared and worried every time I talk about it and, um, you know, I can catastrophize for, for England. Um, but you know, I, I just, I just force myself to do it, um, because I know that it's for the right thing to do and for the benefit of others. Amazing. So, um, if I could just summarize these, these five top tips again, it sounds like we heard, you know, be unapologetically you. Number two was let go of perfect. Number three was say no and set boundaries. The fourth was tune into the choices you're making. And the fifth, uh, really, really important to ask for help, not be afraid to ask for help. Great. Awesome. Thank you, Kat, so much for your time um, and for opening up. Pleasure. Thank you for joining this week's episode of Grow Up. Next week, we'll be catching up with Lori Davison, CMO at the Royal Ontario Museum, a driving force behind Sick Kids Versus, one of Canada's most awarded campaigns.